You're listening to the Catholic Fragments Podcast, where we explore the treasures of Catholicism, the fullness of truth revealed in Jesus Christ and His Church. I'm your host, Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and I invite you to join me in gathering up the fragments of the truth that sets us free. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 15. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Catholic Fragments Podcast. What a joy to be with you. I'm Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and today we feature one of my favorite saints, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, also known as St. Edith Stein. I want to feature just a few excerpts from her writings that deal with the topic of human vocation, as well as the theology of grace, the meaning of grace. As you notice, the opening prayer was straight to the point, very short. St. Paul saying, By the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Such a potent sentence that he writes. It was one of the favorite Bible verses of my mother, who went to be with the Lord back in the year 2013. And when she reflected about her own life, this is what she could say about it in the end. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. That is, it was not ineffective. It accomplishes its purpose if we just let it. This is such a powerful theological concept, grace, from the Greek word in the New Testament, charis, where we get the English words charism or charisma, charismatic. It means a gift, a special gift from God. There's many definitions of grace, theologically speaking. Most precisely, it refers to the third person of the Most Holy Trinity, God the Holy Spirit is grace in person in full force. Edith Stein has some wonderful things to say about grace. I want to look at them together. But first, beginning with the question of human vocation. Human vocation. What should I do in this life? Who should I become? How do I know? This is a fascinating question for each one of us, no matter where we are in life, no matter what age, what state in life, single, married, celibate, whatever it is, we wonder about this question. God, who are you calling me to become? Who did you make me to be? Edith Stein, in a letter 
to one of her former students named Rose Magold, dated August 30th, 1931. St. Edith Stein writes this. The question of vocation cannot be solved merely through self-examination, plus a scrutiny of the various possibilities. One must pray for the answer. You know that. And in many cases, it must be sought by way of obedience. I have given this same advice several times, and those involved have arrived at peace and clarity by following it. It sounds quite simple, as St. Edith puts it here. The question of vocation, what is God calling me to become? I must pray for the answer, but above all, it must be sought by way of obedience. What does this mean? This word obedience from this Latin root, ab audire, to hear to listen to, to attend to the voice of the other, to put one's ear toward a message that does not originate with the self, to put one's ear toward a message from an elsewhere, from a radically other. And in this case, we're talking about vocation from God, a call from God on my life that's meant to unfold over the course of time, I need to listen to the voice of the Lord and I need to be obedient to this voice. I need to be responsive. I need to say yes and not no. I need to say yes over and over, many times every day. St. Edith Stein knew the meaning of this yes to God firsthand in the flesh, not all at once but a yes that unfolded gradually throughout all of the years of her life, all the way to her, her great yes in her martyrdom on August 9, 1942 in the concentration camp in Auschwitz. Edith Stein was a martyr to truth, a witness to truth all the way. She was convinced about the gospel of Jesus Christ. She was convinced about the Catholic Church. She even was convinced about the spirituality of the Discalced Carmelites, going back to the foundress of this reformed order, St. Teresa of Avila. In fact, reading St. Teresa of Avila's autobiography was an event that put Edith Stein over the edge of her decision to become Catholic and to be baptized at the age of 30. What an awesome testimony is her life. Let's go to just a few more passages from her writings. This next one taken from her very thick volume called Potenz und Acht in German. She wrote in German. And in English we would say Potency and Act. This was the first book I read of St. Edith Stein. I got the opportunity to read the book in order to write a book review which I believe is still floating around online somewhere. Maybe I'll put a link to it in um, the uh, description of this podcast. But in any case, when I read this 400-plus page book, English translation uh, of Edith Stein's work, she wrote this book as a kind of second doctoral dissertation trying to get a teaching post in a university. 
it's an incredible piece of writing, to say the least. It's amazing. It's a blend of the metaphysics of St. Thomas Aquinas with this phenomenological approach to life and personhood that she learned from who she called her master, uh, playfully, her, her master, Professor Edmund Husserl, the founder of phenomenology. This blend of phenomenology and metaphysics is peculiar to a handful, especially Catholic thinkers, in the 20th century into the 21st century. Edith Stein, I believe, is a model for Catholic philosophy. St. John Paul II, who also brought together that blend of phenomenology and metaphysics, thinks as much too as he. He mentions her by name in his 1998 encyclical on faith and reason, Fides et Ratio, the same year that St. Edith Stein was canonized by him. In Potency and Act, we find Edith Stein talking about human vocation as well as the role of God's grace within human vocation. Here's a passage. She writes, Man's spirit awakens to his freedom and openness. More precisely, man awakens as free and open. Okay, let me just comment. So we notice the language here, her vocabulary, being awake, being free, and being open. This is something all of us human beings are called to, to be like this. Jesus talks about this in the gospel. Stay awake. You know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come, will return in his glory. Also, we could say the same about our death. We know neither the day nor the hour when our time is up at this contest of conversion. To be awake, to be free, to be open. All of us are called to live like this. The problem with sin is it steals away our wakefulness, our freedom, and our openness. It closes us off to love. It closes us off to our maximum potential, to our maximum conversion to God. Sin steals away. It doesn't give us anything in addition to God. It takes. It squanders. So what St. Edith is saying here is each one of us, according to our spiritual soul, the core of our being, is called by God to be awake, to be fully awake, and to be free and open in relation to divine life, divine being, divine love. She goes on to say, He does not awaken by himself, the human person, nor is he originally free and open by himself. But once awakened, once having his original freedom and openness, it is up to him to keep himself free and open. At the same time, it is possible for him to lose both. If he does not keep himself on high, he can fall back into the being of nature from which he has awakened to personally spiritual being. 
Okay, so St. Edith is saying here that she's implying being awakened by God. We're awakened from it elsewhere, and yet we have the responsibility to abide in this wakeful state, to remain on high with the Lord and not fall back into we could say an unspiritual nature like with St. Paul to live according to the flesh in an unspiritual way to be concerned only with what's to eat, what's to drink where's my next pleasure gathering these things up like Pac-Man but instead she says we become awake to personally spiritual being living according to the totality of our personhood and the personhood of the other who faces me, the Trinitarian personhood of God as well. She continues, a specific action of the will is by no means the only way to keep himself on high, to live at this higher pitch of virtue. The person keeps himself on the higher level by his own power, and by what he is open to, to a large extent, by merely letting it happen, by not deliberately stopping it, and to this extent, it is voluntary. So she's saying we stay on high by our cooperation with divine grace, the divine power at work within us, especially by simply letting it happen. This is what we would call in theology the Marian fiat. Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. Let it be done, let it be done unto me according to your word. She says further, only when his power fails, possibly when a strong pull from below leads it down into an activity of nature, withdrawing it from higher activity, need the person deliberately withstand the pull and keep himself on the higher level. So when there is a strong attraction of sin, a great temptation, a kind of pull from below, as she calls it, then we have to be more active in resisting the temptation. But largely in part, she claims, the life of grace, she says, is possible simply because of his original openness, that original yes to God, that original conversion, even hearkening back to the sacrament of baptism. And it may come, this life of grace may come to his share by his merely allowing it. Indeed, even if he does not actively allow it, but just fails to resist it. I love that line so much. It's really one of my favorite lines of St. Edestine, talking about grace, divine grace, divine gift, that in so many ways I don't need to be so serious in trying to force it to happen. What I need to be is serene in the fray. I was windsurfing earlier today on the St. Clair River off the coast of 
Harsons Islands between Canada and the United States. It was a beautiful day for windsurfing. And I kept saying that to myself, be serene in the fray. It's a key to good sailing, for example. Not to be too tight, not to be too tense. Just relax and let the wind move you. And when you can relax, when you, as they say in Hawaii and elsewhere, hang loose. Hang loose, man. Hang loose. Hang loose in the sail, in the harness, on the board. Things go quite well. But if I try to force things too much, I start to work against the wind. God's grace is very similar. God's grace is at work constantly in us. We simply have to let it do its work in us. Let God the Holy Spirit be at work within us. Fail to resist it. Fail to resist it. Allow it. Let it happen. This is a beautiful passage. We can also think of it, let God love you with this unconditional love. We have to remain obedient, but oftentimes these active stages of prayer are meant to modulate into the passive stages of prayer. This is a great Carmelite insight, especially all the Carmelite saints talk about this. Later on in her book, Potency and Act, actually prior to the passage we just read, St. <clears throat> Edith says, this liberation, for this liberation of free turning toward absolute being is needed, divine being. And just as on the part of absolute being, annihilating may respond to the negation or turning away, so a heightening in being, a raising to a higher mode of being that we call grace, may respond to the turning toward. The negation of the negation and freely turning toward and the heightening in being together yields justification. This is St. Edith Stein at her finest. This rich philosophy and theology. This is so amazing. This she wrote even before becoming a Carmelite nun. Her masterpiece really is a book called Finite and Eternal Being, which I'm not going to quote from in this podcast. But uh, if you want to read more about St. Edith Stein, that's her, her, her great work, her magnum opus, Finite and Eternal Being. Also, uh, her commentary on the work of St. John of the Cross called The Science of the Cross. She has so many great writings. But Potency and Act and Finite and Eternal Being are her, her larger works. Uh, so we hear these couple quotes from Potency and Act. And this one, we hear her talking about grace again, very rich. And we might wonder, what does she mean by all this negation of the negation? Okay, what she's saying is, when it comes to undoing the knot of sin, we have to let it be annihilated. As St. Paul says, we have to let ourselves be crucified with Christ. That sin would be annihilated. That negation that we will against God when we sin, has to be negated. This is what I call the logic of the double negative. Uh, these quotes are featured also in my uh, two, uh, 2017 book called Human and Divine Being, subtitled 
a study on the theological anthropology of Edith Stein. So I'm, I'm pulling these quotes once again for the sake of this podcast, but for greater unpacking of all this rich content uh, from St. Edith Stein, I referred to that book. Uh, I'll try to remember to put a link to that too in the description. But just a couple more points from her and we'll wrap up this podcast. What else does she have to say about grace? Grace, it calls for a personal receptive response. It is a call or a knocking of God, and the person who is thus called is to listen and to open, to open the door of his or her own self so that God may enter. The ready capacity to receive, or the potentia, obodientialis, in the more restricted and authentic sense, therefore, is a capacity to obey to listen to God and to freely surrender oneself to Him. The person-to-person relationship makes possible that being one in German, eins sein, which can come to pass only among persons. And in the relationship between God and the free creature, being one results from the communication and communion of grace. Okay, so I lied before. That was a quote from Finite and Eternal Being toward the end of the book. Uh, So, wow. (laughs) I just need to let the quote speak for itself, really. It's so wonderful, so rich. Talking again about the capacity to obey, to surrender oneself to God upon listening to God. And what's the result? What's the fruit? What's the overall goal of all this? Union with God. Being one with God, eins sein in German, to be one with God. This is the best. This is the best. I've been reading also lately from St. Maximus the Confessor, who's reflecting on St. Gregory of Nazianzus, thinking about desire and the fulfillment of all desire, the satiation of desire, this paradox where God fulfills every desire and yet stirs up our hunger for God all the more. And in that greater hunger, the desire is fulfilled perfectly because it is not met once and for all, but is provoked to desire and remain one in the greatest bond of love. And so we can think to ourselves, what would I desire other than God? if God, by definition, fulfills all of my heart's desires, what renegade desire would be looking for anything else, anything more, anything contrary to the will of God, when the will of God alone satisfies? As St. Augustine says, if you're tempted to sin, do exactly the opposite, and you will accomplish your heart's desire even that desire that is pointing toward a sinful act. St. Augustine says no, because we all know from experience when we sin, there is no satisfaction there. There is no true lasting satisfaction or ultimate fulfillment of the desire, but only disappointment, only betrayal. But if you're tempted to sin, do precisely the opposite of that sin, and you will win your heart's desire that concerns you at the the time. 
Beautiful. One last quote from St. Edithstein here, and we'll bring this episode to a close, this time from her work called The Science of the Cross. In German, Kreuzes Wissenschaften, The Science of the Cross. She writes, For Christ accomplished his greatest work, the reconciliation and union of mankind with God, in the utmost humiliation and annihilation on the cross. When the soul realizes this, it will begin to understand that it too must be led to union with God through annihilation, a living crucifixion in the sensual as well as in the spiritual part. As in the desolation of his death, Jesus surrendered himself into the hands of the invisible and incomprehensible God, so the soul must enter the midnight darkness of faith, which is the only way to this God. Wow, once again, so potent, the truth that she spins, that she shares with us in these these kind of texts, and even more that she witnessed in the testament of her own life and her own flesh and blood how she lived how she prayed how she gave of herself to the point of abandonment she says if we want to find this true happiness we need to let our life become a living crucifixion in the central as well as in the spiritual part quoting saint john of the cross here so she's writing this as a carmelite nun this last passage and it's good news. This is the paradox of it all. We're talking about annihilation. We're talking about crucifixion. We're talking about the dark night of the soul. But this is the only passageway to ultimate, eternal freedom, abundance of life, even that we can experience in this life here below. Thank you for thinking along with me, even praying with me with some of these passages of St. Edith Stein. It's only the beginning. Really, I hope simply to whet your appetite with some of these passages and some, some brief modest commentary on them and point you to some further resources in uh, the description with some links. And I hope that you will continue to learn more about the life of St. Edith Stein and perhaps read more of her work. Thank you for joining me on the Catholic Fragments podcast, where you are equipped to think toward the whole, to pray from the heart, and to live as a witness. <laughs>